Okay, wherever and however you find yourself watching or listening to this sermon, I'm thankful that you are. Uh, If this is unusual for you, I can assure you it is equally strange for me. I don't know that I've had this exact nightmare before, but I think I've had something pretty close to it a time or two. Uh, I'm standing in our sanctuary right now. There is no one here except for Ben Presley, who is manning the, the video Uh, Ryan Richberg, who's helping us with some of the sound, and uh, Colby, who's here spectating. Uh, I only have to work as hard as I normally do, but they have to do the work of an entire congregation, so as I preach, you can pray for them as well. These are uh, unusual times, and I'm genuinely thankful that because of technology, we're able to gather around the Word of God, even if we cannot gather physically. So wherever you are right now, I want to invite you to grab your Bible And turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I really want to encourage you not to sit back and listen passively, but to treat this as if you were here in the sanctuary with me. So open your Bible. If you like to take notes, get out your notebook and pen. Feel free to unwrap your peppermints as loud as you want and enjoy the fact that if you need to use the bathroom, you can pause me and start me back up in just a minute. So let's dive in together in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're thankful that we can hear it together, even in unusual circumstances like we find ourselves in at this very moment. Lord, I pray that uh, here in this room and wherever my voice is heard at this moment, that you would bless the hearing of your word. God, that you would speak through your word. Holy Spirit, that you would move in this room and in homes all across our county. Lord, that people would listen to what you would have to say. God, that you would move among us and work in us through your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you, uh, if you find yourself shut up at home and you need something to watch, you can't go wrong with the classic 1971 film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, there's a scene in that movie that I thought about this week. It's when Augustus Gloop falls into a river of liquid chocolate, and uh, Willy Wonka, who is arguably a sociopath, but we'll discuss that another day, He is totally unconcerned about young Augustus. Instead, he begins screaming, my chocolate, my beautiful chocolate. 
To which Augustus Gloop's mother responds, don't just stand there, do something. Now, I think that's probably would be all of our response to, to him. What I want to do this morning is I want to flip that saying around. Instead of uh, don't just stand there, do something, I want you to imagine Paul essentially saying to us in this passage, don't just do something, stand there. Paul is calling on us to stand firm in our commitment to the truth of God's Word. This passage is about faithfulness. That's the virtue that we're going to consider together this morning, faithfulness. Now, here's how I want to define biblical faithfulness. To be faithful is to persevere in our commitment to God's Word. To be faithful is to persevere in our commitment to God's Word. Now, sometimes we have to get a little creative about maintaining our commitment to God's Word as we're doing now. But Christian faithfulness means that we cling to the Bible, no matter which way the winds of culture blow, no matter what kind of trials assail us or sins tempt us, that we tether ourselves to this book. Of course, we will never be perfectly faithful this side of heaven, but we are called to persevere in our commitment to God's Word. And faithfulness has to do with what we believe, that is, the, the supreme authority of truth in our life, but it also has to do with how we live, the, the supreme authority for, for our life. It's not either or, it's both. Faithfulness means that we hold fast to the truth of the gospel and that we live consistently with it. I want us to see both of those aspects of faithfulness here in 2 Timothy. So look with me at verse 13, and notice what Paul tells Timothy there. He says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. And in verse 14, he says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So Every follower of Christ has been entrusted with this deposit, what Paul calls the good deposit. He's talking about the gospel, the word of God. So faithfulness, you could think of it as a matter of stewardship. Now, we often think of stewardship in terms of money and time. Stewardship means that we have been entrusted with a certain amount of money and a certain amount of time in our life, and we can choose how we spend it, how we invest it. We might choose how we waste it. But here, I want us to think of faithfulness as a matter of stewardship, not of necessarily money and time, although those are important, but that we are called to be good stewards of truth, good stewards of the gospel, good stewards of God's word. And the key idea behind the word stewardship is that a steward is someone who is called to handle what has been entrusted to him or her with care. This means that when it comes to truth, our goal is not to innovate, but to be faithful with what has been entrusted to us. Don't just do something, stand there, stand on the truth. We can certainly try to think of ways to communicate the gospel so that people can understand it. Right now, we're performing an exercise where we're, we're trying to be creative about how we get the word out there for people even to hear but we are not at liberty to change the message itself. 
We can try to be creative about helping people hear it. We can try to be creative about communicating it to, way, to people in ways that are meaningful, that they can understand. But we are not at liberty to change the message itself. The message never changes because it does not belong to us. It's not our place to pick and choose the parts of the message that we like or the parts that we think our culture will appreciate. We do not have authority over this word. It has all authority over us because of whose word it is. So we are to be faithful stewards of the truth that has been entrusted to us. Now, this is a really, really crucial point. When Paul tells us in verse 14 to guard the good deposit entrusted to you, that does not mean that we're to keep the truth to ourselves. There's a story in the Bible about the, the different stewards who were entrusted with it, with the, the, the money that the, the master had. And when he came, it was the steward who buried the money who was found to be unfaithful. It was the, the stewards who had invested it and who had grown it. They were the ones who were found to be faithful. And in the same way, look at what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 2. After he's just told Timothy to guard the good deposit entrusted to you, he then says in chapter 2, verse 2, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So being faithful means that we guard the good deposit entrusted to us. We don't tinker with it. We don't fiddle with it. We don't change it. We keep it pure. But keeping it pure does not mean that we keep it to ourselves. It also means that we're not just guarding it, but that we're also entrusting it to other people to guard. We're entrusting the good deposit to, notice, faithful men and women. The word there simply refers to people. So we're entrusting it to faithful people who will then be able to teach it to others also. So guarding the good deposit of the gospel does not mean that we just try to, to sit back and we try to get all of our theology right, but then we never actually tell anyone the gospel. It means that we are very serious about the truth. It means that we want to stick close to the Bible, that we want to say only what the Bible has said, and when the Bible is silent, we're silent too. But it means that we don't keep it to ourselves, but we entrust it to other people. So if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to be a good steward of what Jude calls the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Now, not every believer is called to get a Ph.D. in theology. But every believer should have a hunger to know all they can know about the truth that God has revealed in His Word. The God of the universe has spoken to us, and it is arrogance and foolishness for us to turn a deaf ear to what He has said. So every believer should want to hear, should want to know God's Word. They should have a hunger to know all the truth that He has revealed to us. And every believer should have a hunger to entrust that truth to others. So how can we do that practically right now? Well, again, we're trying to be faithful with the circumstances that God has given us. It would be very tempting for us to see what's going on in our world right now as a disruption, and it is disruptive in many ways, but it's also an opportunity for us to be faithful. So when it comes to hearing God's Word, we're, we're trying and we'll continue to make it accessible to you as many ways as we can but you have to be faithful to hear it, just as if we were holding 
uh, a gathering this Sunday in our sanctuary, I can stand up here and preach in this pulpit, but if you don't come and hear it, then it, it does you no good. Hopefully, you have a, a copy of the Bible at home. If you don't, call me. In the words of Alexander Shunara, call me Alabama, and I will make sure we deliver one to your doorstep. We will get you a copy of the Word of God if you don't have one. But you could have a thousand copies of the Bible sitting in your home, but if you don't take it up, if you don't read it and meditate on it, it won't do you any good. So one of the ways that we can be faithful here is by being faithful to, to hear God's Word, by, by reading it, and by making use of, of the efforts that we're taking here. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you are a parent uh, and you end up at home with your kids. Uh, I know that that will come with its frustrations, but in the providence of God, what He has done is He has placed you in your mission field. Your home is your nearest mission field. If you have children in your home, God has put them there for you to reach them with the gospel. So you have an opportunity that you can either waste or you can make the most of. You have an opportunity, first of all, to model faithfulness for your kids. Show them how important it is to hear God's Word, that we are a family, that we are about God's Word, whether that means that we can go to church or whether that means that we have to have church in our house temporarily. So let them see in your example that God's Word is a priority. It's not something we do only if we have time and only if all the stars align. Let them see you care about God's Word. Your kids can tell what you care about. And if you care about God's Word and they see that, it will make perhaps an everlasting impact in their life. So, so find ways to talk about it. If you want some, some resources about how you can talk about it with your kids, let me know and I'd be happy to send you some. Now, what about entrusting the gospel to others, people who don't live in the same house with us right now? It might seem impossible, but it's not. There are many people right now whose only hope is in the government, in the healthcare system, maybe in their job, and some of those things seem a lot less stable than they did a few months ago. This is an opportunity for the church to show that our hope is not ultimately in the effectiveness of the government. It's not in the stability of our healthcare system or the financial market. We care about those things because we love our neighbors. But our faith rests in the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has promised not to leave us nor forsake us, and His word never fails. So now, more than ever, we need to stand on His word. We need to be faithful stewards of the truth that He has entrusted to us. So being a good steward of the truth, that's one part of faithfulness. Faithfulness means that we cling to God's Word, to the truth that it tells us, that we want to believe everything the Bible teaches. The other part of faithfulness means that we don't just want to get that into our head, but then we want to get that into our heart and into our lives. It's about living consistently with that truth. If we want to be faithful, then we must seek to know and believe and teach the truth of the gospel, but we must also seek to live a life that is consistent with it. And here in 2 Timothy, Paul gives two examples, one negative and one positive. One example of, of someone who was not faithful and an example of someone who was faithful. Look with me at verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15. 
He says, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now notice the contrast in verse 16. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. So here's the, the contrast. In a time of difficulty, Onesiphorus was a model of faithfulness. He stuck by Paul's side, while Phygelus and Hermogenes turned away from him in his time of need. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul's doing here. He's not just airing personal grievances and saying, okay, well, when I was having a hard time, you know, Phygelus and Hermogenes, they just totally forgot about me, whereas Onesiphorus, he, he stuck with me, he came and visited me, so God bless him and forget them. It's bigger than that. This is not about personal grievances. Paul knows that when Phygelus and Hermogenes turned away from him during his imprisonment, they were not just turning away from Paul. They were effectively saying, we don't want to believe in a gospel that calls us to suffer. Likewise, Onesiphorus was not only embracing Paul, he was embracing the call of Jesus, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. What Paul does then is he turns to us and he says in chapter 2 verse 3, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. What's the point of all these analogies about the soldier and the athlete and the farmer? The point is that we can't just say... Here are the truths, I believe. It's not just about what's in our head, it's about what we do. We must be faithful in living consistent with what we say we believe. Don't turn aside to anything other than what will please the Lord who enlisted you. Run the race according to His rules. It's about how we live. And what we need to hear in the church and in the world today is that faithfulness is more valuable than power and charisma. It is more valuable than wealth and success. It's more valuable than health and strength. It's more valuable than creativity and talent. Those are the things that the world says we have to have. We have to be strong. We have to be influential. We have to be talented and creative, and if not, then we're nobody. And what God calls us to do is to be faithful. I guarantee you there are a lot of hardworking farmers out there who nobody knows. There are a lot of soldiers out there who are trying to please the one who enlisted him, but we don't know their names. And in the Christian life, it's not the people who are most famous, who are most faithful, Every spirit-filled follower of Christ is called to be faithful. Wherever you are, wherever you live, how well-known you are or how not well-known you are. And every spirit-filled follower of Christ can be faithful by the strength that he provides. So you may say, Matt, I don't have a lot to offer. Well, I don't have a whole lot to offer either. But what I can do is I can be faithful with what I've been given Of course, we're learning right now that faithfulness has to adapt. Um, 
Onesiphorus was faithful by going to be physically present with Paul during his imprisonment. The way we need to demonstrate faithfulness to one another right now is actually by doing the opposite, by maintaining physical distance from one another. But keeping our distance does not mean that we neglect one another entirely. One benefit that we have today that Paul and Onesiphorus did not have is that we can still minister to one another and love one another and serve one another from a distance with technology like phones and the internet. So how can we be faithful during this season? Martin Luther said, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. And we can adapt that for our purposes this morning. God does not need your faithfulness, but your neighbor does. So start with those closest to you and work your way out and ask yourself, how can I be faithful to my neighbors? If you're married, your spouse needs your faithfulness. That's true right now and always. Um, I have come to see what a beautiful thing it is to trust that someone will love you despite your flaws, despite your quirks, despite your mistakes. And your spouse primarily needs you to be faithful to God. Because if you're faithful to the Lord and to His Word, then you will also be faithful to your spouse. If you are married, the greatest gift you can give to your husband or wife is to treasure God's Word and seek to live consistently with it. They will be blessed by it. If you are a parent, your kids need your faithfulness. And again, when I say that they need your faithfulness, I don't just mean that they need you to be faithful to them. I mean that they need to see you being faithful to the Lord. Your kids need to have a real-life example of what it looks like to repent when you sin. They need to see what it looks like when someone leans on Jesus during trials and hardships. And especially at this moment, they need to see you lead your family in faithfulness to the Lord by making sure that even if we can't gather physically, we're still going to hear His Word. We're still going to sing His praise. We're still going to pray to Him, and by all means, we're still going to trust Him in this time. And I can tell you with certainty that your church needs your faithfulness. Now, most of the time, faithfulness in the church means, uh, at, at the very minimum, being faithful to, to gather with the church as often as you're able. Right now, faithfulness looks a little different. We can choose to see these present circumstances, again, not only as a disruption, but as an opportunity. So over the next week, over the next few weeks, there are going to be plenty of people who will become increasingly lonely. And again, we live in a world where you don't have to be physically in the same place to fellowship with someone or talk to them. So one of the ways that you could show faithfulness during this time is reach out to someone. Pick up the phone, call, send them a text, let them know that you're thinking about them. Ask them how you can pray for them. Ask how you can serve them or help them in a way that won't endanger them or yourself. We need to be reaching out to one another and helping one another through this time. Colby and I are going to continue looking for ways that we can maintain some fellowship and community with one another. So pray for us. Make use of the opportunities that we do have. And may God help us to be faithful in whatever circumstances we find ourselves today and all the days to come.
Now, normally this is the point in the service when we would sing a hymn of invitation and I would stand at the head of the aisle and be available to speak to, to anyone, but of course we can't do that this morning. So here's what we're going to do instead. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. Um, if you happen to be listening to this audio right now and you'd like to speak with me after, after it's over, feel free to, to call me. I'm available. I'm happy to talk with you. Even if it's just to let me know how you're doing, I'd love to hear from you. If you're watching this online right now, you can, you can also call me. You can comment on this video. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, I want to be available to you. I want to hear um, how God is using the word in your life. So let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for this opportunity to be together, even if we cannot be physically together today, or to gather around your word, even if it means that we're gathering all in our homes separate from one another. Lord, we do long for the day when we will be able to be together again in the same room. We'll be able to, to hear your word together when we'll be able to hear one another sing your praise. We long for that day. But God, until then, I pray that you would help us to be faithful with this opportunity that you've given us. Lord, that you would help us each day to wake up and ask how we can faithfully serve you and serve one another. God, that we would look for ways, look for new opportunities, look for new doors that you're opening. God, not just to see all the ways that this is disrupting our lives, but to see the ways that you are opening up new doors in our lives for us to, to reach out to someone, for us to demonstrate what it means to be faithful and what it means to trust you. And Lord, above all, I pray that we would be faithful in the sense that we are full of trust in you. God, that we don't, we don't understand what you're doing in the world right now. We don't understand what your purpose is in this, except we know that your purpose is to glorify yourself, to, to get the gospel to people who need to hear it, and to, to do what's good for your people. So God, help us to walk in faith, increase our trust in you, and God, help us to make use of every opportunity that you put before us. And Lord, right now, Wherever people are hearing my voice right now, I pray, Spirit of God, that you would take this word that has been proclaimed and you would impress it upon them, that you would draw them to trust in you and to turn from their sins. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.